Hey, it's Ryan. Welcome to Not A Podcast, the Not Operator Podcast. This is episode five, and I'm joined by Michael. Hello. And our good friend, Ron. Hi, guys. Uh, so today we'll get start. Actually, sorry, before we get started, I'll mention the topics that, that we'll be discussing. So in gaming, um, we got to see some games at Comic-Con this past weekend. Uh, in tech, we'll be talking a little bit about the Nintendo NX rumor, which I know is sort of gaming, but I'll be talking about it more from the tech side of things. Um, talk a little bit about Motorola and uh, their latest developments in the phone space. Uh, and then on the firearm side of things, we'll be talking a little bit about Red Dots uh, and the recent attacks uh, all over the world. So to kick us off, I'll hand things over to Michael. Hey, everybody. Uh, so as Ryan mentioned, last week in San Diego was San Diego Comic-Con, the huge, crazy, you know, like, insane event that comes to our town every year uh it's massive i think the stats were saying there was like two to three hundred thousand people that just like were downtown for comic-con which is insane and having been there uh you know you know it's big for movies and tvs and shows and one other thing that i enjoy the most about comic-con is all the new games that are coming out and kind of have a little previews and Ryan and I were fortunate enough to go to uh, Nerd HQ, which was sponsored by Xbox this year. Yeah, it, was, it had a few sponsors. It was Xbox and AMD and Alienware yeah. and a whole mess of, of uh, companies mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and with those sponsors came some new games coming out that we got to try out. Um, most notably, it was uh, Battlefield 1, which we talked about a little bit before, um, another podcast, and then some of the Xbox games like Gears of War 4, uh, Titanfall 2, which is an Xbox exclusive this time, but that was there too. They had uh, Final Fantasy 15, which had a crazy long line. Oh, that one I didn't even see. Yeah, there's a huge line for that. And uh, ReCore, which is another Xbox exclusive coming out later on in the year. Halo Wars 2 was Halo there. Wars 2, I have to mention Halo yeah. Wars 2. I'm not a big RTS oh, guy. I'm super excited about Halo Wars 2. Definitely. You played I a lot think... of the beta, right? <clears throat> of the Halo Wars? <laughs> no, yeah, I was, I was traveling for work, guys. Come on. Uh, you know how it goes. No, I don't. I, I, know. I, I don't either. I'm joking. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Ryan's more of an RTS guy than I am. I like just more to shoot people. Um, you're a more violent person. I'm more violent person. You're not big into strategy. Got it. Exactly. I don't like to think. I just like to kill. We'll be getting into that topic in the firearm section. Don't worry. Okay. Perfect. Uh, so I guess maybe just run down a you know quick uh, you know my experience playing those, some of those games. Get some of your opinion, Ryan. Maybe Ron can interject, but he knows about some of these games. Uh, I'll, I'll leave Battlefield for last. I think that was my favorite game to play out of all of them. Um, but So it starts some of the Xbox ones. So as Ryan mentioned, Halo Wars 2 was there. I didn't play that because I played the beta. I assume it would be similar. Yeah, it's, that was my um, feeling as well. I had a limited time. So yeah. figured, got the beta. I think they're doing another beta in the fall, so I wasn't... Yeah, I don't think no official... I don't think official date has been announced yet, but stay tuned for more information on that. Right. Uh, it's always yeah. interesting that... Um, I'm glad that Halo Wars exists, not only because, I mean, I love the Halo universe and IP, but they actually managed to make an RTS on a console, like, not suck from an interface perspective. Which yeah. is an amazing design achievement, if nothing else. It was it was built from the ground up as opposed to previous RTSs, which was really nice. I think they did an impressive job. But, you know, I think it was Sierra Games that mm-hmm. did the first one. They're now defunct. I'm not sure what studio is working on Halo Wars 2, but the feeling I got from the beta, and I, I don't want to jump too much into my, you know, Halo Wars 2 beta experience, but it felt almost more StarCraftized. and my concern for this one, although the controls feel solid, it'll be getting a PC release as well, and so oh. uh, the concern is, you know, whenever an RTS gets a simultaneous PC and console release, 
you worry about which one's going to get the focus. And, you know, I don't know if a console RTS is really going to be good for PC, so someone might be getting screwed there. Or, worst case, both sides get screwed with compromises they don't want. It's but true. we'll have to see. I mean, 343's think... done some good stuff. Yeah, and I think uh, Phil Spencer also announced a while back that keyboard and mouse support is coming to Xbox somewhere down the road. Yeah, so I heard that. see how that plays out. I don't think, like, the average gamer is really going to hook up a keyboard to their Xbox just to play Halo Wars, you know. But, but we're not average. That's <laughs> true. I'm probably not going to play Halo Wars because I'm not an RTS guy. Wow, there's Although, that. that brings up an interesting point, though, which is in most games in the past where they've allowed, like, console interplay versus um, like keyboard and mouse on PCs, like, the keyboard and mouse has been, like, kind of dominant, especially in RTSs. And Even in FPSs. That's true, FPSs as well. And it's interesting, like, even if they go with the point where you're allowed to use a keyboard and mouse on console, I almost worry that might reduce the fun, where, like, some people are effectively playing with very you know, enhanced control schemes to let them multitask a lot better in an RTS. Yeah, I mean, think about the Elite controllers also, right? Where you definitely have an advantage. You know, paddles. you and me each have uh, uh, elite controllers and, and the paddles make a world of difference. So moving to mouse and keyboard, you know, will provide all sorts of advantages. I don't know what Microsoft's plan is for integration on those things, but yeah, it, it definitely, you know, creates the possibility of uh, gamers that are much more advantaged than others. Definitely. Uh, yeah, so I don't want to get too far into Halo Wars because I didn't actually end up playing it. <laughs> um, it was there, and there's interesting stuff about it. But uh, other games that they had, uh, Deus Ex, I didn't play that one either. I played the first one, which I thought was a pretty fun game. Um, uh, the original or Human Revolution? Human Revolution. Ah. There's the a new the first modern one. Ah. Yeah. It was actually pretty fun. I remember playing it back when we were in college, actually, and uh, I red boxed it and tried to be as much as I could. But uh, this one looks pretty interesting, too. It's, it's, it's nice to have a... Like, there's a pretty deep, actually, RPG system. You can really customize your character to play to your playstyle. You get, you know, stealth or you know, brutal, brutal tank type of thing. But uh, didn't get a chance to play that either. Uh, but is it like Dishonored, where you also get punished for killing people? I don't think you really get punished for it. Maybe there's like some downside. choices. Yeah, this, okay. this was years ago. I remember playing. Too Human much, Revolution but... doesn't actually uh, punish you for killing people. So, I mean. Uh, some people, like, make comments at you, but it's not as bad as, uh, uh, Dishonored, where everyone just, just hates you forever. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, but the first game that I sat on to play again was Battlefield, I'll say that for later. The next one I played was Gears of War 4. Uh, hmm. It was basically the same map as what we played in the beta. Uh, I don't know if you played the beta. I right? didn't play the beta. I, I, and I don't think Ron did either, but I, I played it, and it felt very similar, you know, to, like, all the other Gears, that there wasn't really anything crazy new going on yeah um, honestly the multiplayer felt the same way it did in gears of war one which is sprint at cover hide behind cover you can dive from cover to cover and shoot over walls and that's like the whole mechanic and you can still chainsaw people and curb stomp them yeah. but it's like what's new yeah i don't know i feel like for this one they're trying to go back to the actual like roots like the gears one roots you know um i think they're trying to recapture that audience that kind of faltered the subsequent iterations of the game um I, I don't know. I, Gears has always been a fun game for me to play, but more so from the campaign. Uh, usually I play multiplayer online with my friends, and judging from the last couple of Gears, is they all kind of tapered off uh, pretty quickly. So I had to stop playing multiplayer because I don't like playing alone. Yeah, I mean, honestly, so I, I, in the past, haven't enjoyed Gears multiplayer that much just because it doesn't really feel dynamic. And I understand the desire to go back to your roots if like the franchise feels like it's expanded or moved off base rebooting. too far. Rebooting, yeah. But, you know, this is a gameplay mechanic that 
it was cool as an introduction, but it was really a, a starting point, you know, cover-based shooting. And Gears has it just not as the starting point, but as the cornerstone. That is the whole experience, is just cover-based shooting, totally flat. There's no, you know, you look at a game like Titanfall that I'm sure we're going to talk about in a sec, and it's all vertical gameplay. You're all over the place. And Titanfall is the exact opposite. It's not, it doesn't feel dynamic to me in any way. And so to me, it feels like I get bored of it really, really fast. Even after the game. You're saying Gears doesn't feel dynamic to you. Yeah, sorry. Gears Gears doesn't feel dynamic to me. I I played it at Nerd HQ, you know, the, the, uh, I guess this was an alpha. I don't think it was a beta. The Gears? Um, Yeah, Gears. I think it was the beta because that's what. Oh, it was a beta? Because I know like Battlefield was a pre-alpha actually. Uh, In any case, the version that they had at the Nerd HQ, um, I felt like I said, played exactly like one and just wasn't particularly interesting to me. Even though, you know, our team won, it was just like, it felt samey even within the scope of that one match. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way. I, I wrecked in it, so that <laughs> I didn't like it because I was doing bad. I just destroyed the other team. It was, it was great. Uh, nothing like chainsawing like 10-year-old kids. <laughs> um, I don't have a problem. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Ryan spoke a bit a little bit about uh titanfall and that was the next game that i played um uh i don't know i guess we all three of us actually are have pretty decent experience playing titanfall we all have played the original yeah. on xbox we played a lot i really like titanfall one I, yeah I it's a lot, lot of fun yeah so we, so we had a lot of experience with it so playing titanfall 2 i was i don't i don't really know what i was expecting i kind of hadn't really been following it too much i knew that they're actually working on a campaign this time which is nice mm-hmm. uh but i didn't really know about any new multiplayer innovation so i got excited going into this uh Playing it, actually, I left kind of disappointed. I wasn't really too impressed with the gameplay very much. Uh, didn't really feel like they really evolved the multiplayer from what we played. Right. Uh, I guess similar to how Gears was. But uh, uh, new features included, like, a grappling hook, kind of like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, to, like, lasso on the Titans. You can kind of just throw your grappling hook and... Yeah. They also changed the way you interact with Titans if you're right. a pilot. So if you board a Titan as, like, a... Say I board... You're on another team, I board your Titan... Uh, you hop on top, and in uh, Titanfall 1, you could just shoot uh, the Titan until either someone else shot you off, or you got bored, or got killed by the Titan. Uh, now, you hop on, you lift up on a little hatch and pull out the Titan's battery, and if you take that battery to your Titan or another Titan, it gives it a little boost. Right. Like a shield boost. Also, if you if you hop on after you remove the battery, you like drop a grenade in the hatch, and it does some requisite amount of damage, but like, but it kicks you off automatically. It kicks, yeah. As soon as you drop that grenade, you get launched off of the Titan. What? And like during my experience, I jumped on a Titan literally six times, and it still didn't kill it. I was just, you know, using the grappling hook, dr- jumping on the Titan, drop a grenade in, get shot off, do it again, and Titanfall two to me like. I also felt a little disappointed, you know, because yeah, you were I more enjoyed... excited going into it than I was, right? Because I really enjoyed Titanfall One, and I, I sort of wanted to get back to that because I haven't played it in a while, um, and I was hoping for some new stuff. The grappling hook is cool, um, you know. I was I was hoping for some other new gameplay mechanics. As far as the way the game felt, it was very very similar to the original, so it didn't really feel like a ton of innovation. But if anything, it felt like more chaotic. So you know, Titanfall One is not a very, you know, slow-paced game. Gears of War felt like the direct opposite of Titanfall. My girlfriend was watching us play Titanfall, and her reaction was, I couldn't even tell what was going on. There's people shooting everywhere. There's explosions happening all the time. You jump on a Titan, you know, there's smoke going off. You get shot off the Titan. You can barely tell what the hell's going on. And I found it to be, like, 
difficult to control exactly where I was going, whereas in Titanfall 1, it felt like the parkour was very smooth. This one, it felt a little like there's just so many options for movement that the game's almost struggling to figure out what you want to be doing. And also the gameplay mode that they had us in, it wasn't a deathmatch style. It was like a, yeah, it was like a weird um, objective-based gameplay where you had bounties to get. But the scoring wasn't clear at all, and and I found that to be really eh. like my KD was fantastic, and actually got last place on my team because I guess I wasn't scoring points even though I was shooting at the objectives too. Um, That's actually interesting though because it sounds like they're taking uh, a gameplay choice, a design choice that a couple other games have taken recently. Um, I mean, Halo Five uh, has a similar game mode where. Like, there's the player versus player part, but also, like, a lot of points gained by doing player versus environment. The Warzone game mode, which yep. I know we've played a lot of. It feels kind of like Warzone, except with the scoring not being as clear. And and part of that is that Titanfall is such a, a chaotic environment that you're not really sure, you know, what's going on. And it's possible that it's just, I need some time to acclimate, but I came away feeling disappointed for a game that I initially was thinking, I'm definitely going to buy this. I'm super excited for it, and now I'm like, eh. yeah. Contrast that to me, which I had like no expectations going in, and I still came away disappointed. So it's like interesting, right? You weren't over expecting things versus me, like no expectations, still kind of being underwhelmed. Right. So yeah, we'll be interesting to see what happens. I think there's supposed to be a beta coming out for that eventually. I don't know the exact date, but it'd be interesting to check it out and see. Yeah, you know? I definitely want to jump into that to get some you know experience to acclimate to the environment and see if it was just like you know that one one time thing or if. Uh, the game might not be worth a purchase. Yeah. I was worried that playing Halo for almost, what, like a year now has kind of ruined other <laughs> shooters for me because just the way that I feel like that gameplay is so perfect. Yeah. Uh, Halo 5. And uh, the counterpoint to that is I actually had a lot of fun playing Battlefield still. So um, not all shooters are ruined for me. Uh, <laughs> just I thought Titanfall, or Titanfall 2 wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. And before getting into Battlefield, I want to talk about... Uh, Recore real quick, which is that one I didn't have time to play. Yeah, yeah. So. I didn't even people, heard about it. Yeah, not too many people, not too many people know about it. Uh, it's a game developed by uh, Inafune, the guy that created Mega Man. That created oh, okay. Um, his studio, uh, first time working on Xbox games. And I think Joe Staten, uh, ex Bungie Halo writer, is actually helping write some of the story. Nice. Uh, I think the concept is is cool. I I, I left again to kind of underwhelmed going in with no expectations about the game and obviously it's not a finished state but the game frame rate was super choppy um didn't really do a good job of kind of telling you what you needed to do i'm not one that needs like hand holding through a game but you know there's a point when you're kind of just killing endless waves of enemies where you're just like all right should i still be killing endless waves of enemies or an objective that i'm missing like i'm not sure which it is right now like is it like an fps like i don't know so yeah sorry game, i mean it gets so. Back. so it's a third person shooter um you play a female protagonist which is cool her name is jewel uh, and you have a gun that shoots four different colors. There's the normal white color. There's blue. Uh, normal white, white color? Yellow. That's racist. Yeah. <laughs> Everything white is normal. Uh, and so you match the color of your gun bullets to, or it's kind of like energy balls, if you want to call it that, <laughs> to the enemies that are on your screen. So if there's red enemies, you switch to the red gun, and it does you know, the right amount of damage to it. The other colors will still do damage, but you're supposed to match color to the enemy. It's an interesting concept. Um, kind of sounds like Metroid Prime, actually. Exactly, yeah. So what people are saying that it's it's a kind of like a mix between Metroid and Mega Man and uh, that type of style, I guess. Interesting. Uh, 
so it is, it is a third person game. It, there's it's platforming elements, which are kind of cool, but uh, I'm just just the experience and the frame rate and not really knowing what was going on. I, I wasn't the very beginning of the game, so maybe having the experience of like actually starting off the game, you actually have a better idea of what's going on. Um, the cool thing is you have various companions that are like robots that have different abilities. So like one was kind of like a dog robot that you know could attack for you. Another was kind of this little like spider thing that you can uh, grappling on to like uh, platform around. Uh, so we had 15 minutes, limited, limited experience playing the game, um, but curious to see what happens with it. Do you uh, know when it's coming out? Later this year. Uh, definitely later this year. And it's interesting that it's being sold for $40 too. Oh, huh. interesting. So I don't know if that will help it. Do they uh, have, is it that they don't have a single player campaign? No, it's or? all single player. Oh, it's all, there's yeah. no multiplayer. Not, that's how I'm aware. So there's maybe no that, that's the reason. Maybe. One point about Titanfall is that it's cool and all that they're adding a campaign to this one, but I felt that they were very upfront with the first one that it didn't have a single player yeah. and all, you know, I know a lot of people who are very upset about that, that they felt, you know, they bought the game and they're like, why isn't there a single player? And it's like, really? They've made it very clear that this is a multiplayer only experience. You should have known that before buying the game. It's not like Evolve where they tried to pretend that there was any sort we of... We have campaign elements. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Although, so... I don't know. It's it's actually... I mean, it was a fantastic multiplayer experience, though. Right. That's why I felt like I got my mm-hmm. money's worth. I knew what I was getting going in, and uh, I thought it was a really well-designed shooter. Um, it did a great job of having this sort of dynamic, really fast vertical gameplay. You know, what they've always said is, like, Halo-style shooters are much slower, much more, you know thoughtful whereas call of duty is sort of the run and gun um running man quick yeah you mm-hmm. got a quick reflex shoot you know almost like a not quite a quake style a little bit slower than that but mm-hmm. um still pretty fast especially compared to halo and titanfall went and cranked that up even further you know there's a lot of jumping it's all sprinting wall running wall mm-hmm. running yeah you're all over the place it's um, actually um not it's not surprising they did a good job with the multiplayer and that high speed stuff. You mentioned like you know Call of Duty, like the Modern Warfare series, are the first to like kind of bring like not Quake style, but like you know faster multiplayer. Like you were saying, it's actually I think most of the people who worked on the Modern Warfare Two multiplayer when they is, split actually. off and yeah, they split yeah. off and uh, created Respawn Entertainment, who made yeah. Titanfall. Yeah, Infinity Ward had a public spat with schism. Activision a Schism Schism. about. 90 plus percent of the employees, including all the senior management, left Infinity Ward and they all started Respawn Entertainment and made Titanfall. And that was immediately after Modern Warfare 2, right? Yes. Because they weren't around for Modern Warfare 3. No, because they switched uh, studios, right? Right, but I think that the timing coincided because Modern Warfare 2 was the last game that that version of Infinity Ward made. Right. Yep. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Which was the best. Yeah, Yeah, it was. Yeah, so... I guess, yeah, we'll see kind of how Titanfall plays out. Plays yeah, out. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the beta. I'm hoping that it, you know, redeems itself because I'd be disappointed if it ends up being a game that I don't want because I I have nostalgia for that Titan one, Titanfall 1 feeling, yeah. you know? All right, well, now that I'm done talking about what games I didn't like, let's talk about uh, Battlefield. Uh, I, I'm super excited for this game going in. Remember how Ryan was expecting to play Titanfall, where he's going in knowing that he wants to get this game. I felt similarly uh, for Battlefield. I've been a huge fan of the series since playing Battlefield 2 on PC actually back in the day. That's how long ago uh, I've been into it. I played Battlefield 4, 3. Um, so I, I've experienced with the franchise and going to World War One is kind of uh, appealing to me, right? Because it's a setting that I haven't really ever played a video game in before. Um, learning new weapons and vehicles and 
Yeah, it's funny, you, you know, Kilroy and I have been talking for a really long time about how, you know, we had that era of all World War II shooters that was like all FPS games, World War II shooters, and then it moved on to like more, you know, space futuristic type shooters, and then modern warfare stuff, and then out back to the future, you know, with advanced warfare and all those those types of, you know, ripoffs or whatever. And the whole time we said, I like to see something go back to like World War One because it's it's advanced enough that you still get interesting weapons, right? If you have a Civil War shooter who wants to be reloading a musket for five minutes, World War One, like you, you have you know <coughs> Quick time guns event. that you can use. <laughs> you have guns that you can use, but it's a different setting. It's something new. It's not just oh, okay, we're killing Nazis again. Um, and so it's cool that someone's finally doing it, and that was the most exciting thing for me about Battlefield, which is a series that I have some familiarity with, but I've never particularly enjoyed. Um, I don't know what it is about the style of gameplay. It's just never... You get scared by large open spaces. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I played... Uh, I actually purchased... Speaking from Destiny, you get scared by large open That's spaces. That's fair. That's fair. Ron will attest to that, too. But, you get scared uh, of a lot of things. Where's Ryan right now? <laughs> I'm in the warehouse. You mean the warehouse we just left? Uh, yes. I don't know. <laughs> Where am I running around a dark room? You're the person that gets lost in the Temple of Time, Ryan. That's fair. So in battle, I bought Battlefield 3, and it's I hated it. And my description for the game was, I feel like it's an apoc- apocalyptic wasteland simulator where I just spend my time roaming around looking for people. I would, like, get in Jeeps and just drive around not finding anyone, and then sniped every time. I'm like, this isn't fun. I drive around not finding anyone, and then I'm sniped. That's my whole game experience. Um, and apparently that wasn't the case for everyone, but I personally didn't <laughs> enjoy it. So... <laughs> I, I wasn't looking forward too much to Battlefield 1, except for the fact that it's set in World War One, um, And I came away having enjoyed it, although it did help that I got the most kills in the game. You played it uh, one or two times? I, I only got to play it once okay. at Nerd HQ, but okay. I, I came in with uh, the most kills by nice. far. Yeah. Was I, Call I was... of Duty World at War uh, Vietnam or World War One? World at War was a World War Two game. But you're thinking it? Black Ops. Black Ops was Man. in Vietnam. Nam. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I played three games when I was there, three matches when I was there on Saturday, just throughout the day that I was at Nerd HQ. Uh, I had a blast each time. Uh, cool to check out, like, the new experience they have. They have, like, the, uh, the front of the tournaments, but basically they had the huge Zeppelin that comes through. If, yeah. if your team is losing uh, at some point through the match, you'll try to get these advantages. Uh, I think one of them is the, is the Zeppelin. I think another one is, like, a battleship. And I think another one they have is a train. That's it's like the opposite of Call of Duty, where the winners get rewarded. Yeah, like a nuke, right? This is, this is your kind of chance to, like, equal the playing field. And I didn't think it was too overpowered, because the third game we played, uh, the one that actually ended up winning, getting first place and winning a nice pro gaming mouse, which will go great with my gaming PC, <laughs> which I don't have. Uh <laughs> I uh, our team was winning the whole game, and so when they got the Zeppelin, I was worried that they were going to change the tides, and I was going to lose first place and lose the mouse. But we actually held them off, and uh, so it, it's not like a you get the Zeppelin and you you win you automatically win. type of thing, right? And it's you can shoot a, it down, an assist effectively. Yeah, if you if you suck, just having this little boost isn't going to help you, right? Uh, but it was it, I had a I had a blast playing. I, I tried out the medic class, I tried out the assault class. Uh, had fun with both of them. It was hard for me because I had, again I'm not a PC gamer, so I was getting used to switching weapons with one, two, and three. And yeah, that that was my struggle. Also, is that I'm I've done some PC shooters, but it's not my preferred gaming platform for FPSs, and so it wasn't natural feeling to me. So I felt really proud of myself for doing yeah. as well as I did. Yeah, so did I. Uh, 
And one time I spawned on the Zeppelin from one of my games. Uh, one of the other ones where I didn't get first place. And uh, I jumped off because, you know, there's a parachute button, right? But I couldn't find it. So as I was jumping off from the, from the Zeppelin, as I was falling to the ground, I was trying to hit every single button possible. And I splat. And as I splat, I look on the screen and it says, press space, the parachute. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. I had, I had a similar experience where... Um, I went up behind someone and I'm like, I'd really like to knife this person, but I don't know where the button is. And as I'm looking for it, he turns around and hatchets me in the face. So the next time I'm like, all right, come up behind a guy. I don't even look for the button. I'm like, aim it back of head, empty bullets. Like I'm not taking any more chances with this one. I had a similar experience with an armored vehicle where I snuck up on it and went, I don't know where the button is. I don't have time to look at it. Maybe if I shoot at it enough, it'll die. So I start shooting it, and all it did was get its attention. He yeah, that, that seems yeah, like a poor decision. Me. It was, yeah. yeah, the wrong choice, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I thought the weapons felt pretty good. Like, I, I was worried, you know, World War One. you don't really know... I don't really know much about the guns, so I don't know what it would really be like. Uh, it's not that not that different from World War Two, at least yeah. early World War Two. Yeah, the assault had, like, basically, like, a short to mid-range assault rifle basically more or less what it was it's uh, funny because it, the concept of assault rifle did not exist in world war one it was invented <laughs> in world war two by the germans interesting yeah I'll, I'll i thought the, uh, what's it called the the bar browning assault rifle is that world war two mm, yeah no. world war two that's saying? automatic rifle browning oh. automatic rifle well, i guess i'm wrong <laughs> suck it yeah mm. the uh, stg 44 was the first um mm. assault rifle yeah the medic class had like a single shot rifle um it was about two to three shots to kill somebody so if you're good enough aiming down sights and you get your targets uh that was pretty fun <laughs> for for battlefield fans in, in battlefield 4 you have shock paddles as a medic to revive people and this one you have a syringe <laughs> so oh. you, you stick it in a little like a case vial. Of vial yeah and you pull it out and you revive people by just stabbing them i wonder if it's like adrenaline or something <laughs> like that, you know? but you can also kill bad guys with it too so i guess you pull a different vial of like poison poison yeah that's a pretty brutal way to go I know, right? yeah Tink. dude just... one was a nasty time yeah, yeah. Oh, so you have gas mask because yeah. I guess there's mustard gas in this game. People did use it a couple times in, in games. That's lines. pretty brutal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the other thing I was worried about going into were the vehicles, right? Because again, World War One, I, I don't really know what kind of vehicles they used. You know, old school tanks. More like or less. the very first tanks were deployed in World War One. Exactly. Right. And I was worried. Okay, these vehicles are probably gonna suck, right? I mean, obviously, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, you know the cause casualties and more, yeah. but I thought in a game, how can they make this fun? And I actually had a lot of fun with basically every vehicle that I was in. And they had propeller planes as well that you yeah. could fly. I, did, I I tried to figure out how to use it. I didn't want to waste too much time because I wanted to win first place uh, to get the mouse, so I, I didn't spend too much time trying to find out how to get into the planes. Um, I, I wanted to. Uh, I'm a relatively good pilot in the last couple of battlefields. Nice. Uh, but the, the vehicles here I thought were, were pretty cool. So one tank I got in in the game that I won, there was a driver and two side seats. The driver doesn't actually have access to a gun. Uh, but the two side seats, the one that I was in, both same on both sides, uh, has like a tank blast and like a shotgun blast. Which interesting. Was really interesting. And, and I just, in case I, anyone gets close. I did work in that. And that's basically how I won. Uh, in getting first place. But I, yeah, I, I was super pleased with the experience overall. I thought, I think it's, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to do really well. Um, similar to how people are actually still playing Battlefield 4 now. And it's been out for what, like three years almost. Right. You know? I, honestly, like I said, I wasn't super excited. I came away from the game thinking maybe I will get it. Um, I'll really have to decide with a beta because, you know, in one game I didn't really get to explore all the vehicles, all the different classes right. and weapons. Uh, and so I'll really make I'm gonna, my decision. I'm going to convert then. you to a battlefielder. <laughs> okay, we'll see. <laughs> That'll be we'll an achievement. See. Also, I had an unfortunate thought. Um, you guys know that I play inverted controls on Xbox. Oh, dear. Uh, and so... <laughs> 
I left both the Gears of War console Oops. and the Titanfall console on inverted <laughs> control. Oops. <laughs> Someone had a bad game Some after me. just want to see the world burn. <laughs> Someone's like, why? Why? This game Who sucks. Play the this controls way? are backwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you, and you were saying too, Ryan, you're not sure you're going to get it on Xbox or PC yet, right? Yeah, that's so that's my other thing is that, so if I get it on Xbox, it's cool because you'll play with me. We've got other friends who'll get it for PC though. Um, the thing is, on PC, I get the benefit of higher graphics quality, and I've got my sweet ultra-wide 34-inch monitor that my Xbox can't play on, so it'd be really nice to PC game on that. On the other hand, I'm way more used to the controls on a controller versus mouse and, and keyboard. And you feel like it'd be a disadvantage, basically, to use a controller playing... Oh, definitely. If I, if I were on PC, I would have to stick to mouse and keyboard, yeah. because otherwise I'm, I'm at a huge disadvantage. So, I have to decide... Which are, way I'm gonna go? Yeah, I hope you go Xbox because I'll be on Xbox. I figured that's probably where a couple of our other friends will be. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, what, what about you, Ron? Are you any thoughts on Battlefield or anything like that? Um, my well, I mean, you played the uh, the demo of it. My question is, uh, did they have a lot of like environment destruction? Kind oh of yeah, like oh yeah, too? lots. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's what, that's what it's known for. Yeah, that's I the hallmark know. of Battlefield. I think there well, still are some objects that probably like are built in that won't get blown up, but for the most part, like all the houses I was in, like can be destroyed. You can destroy. Like yeah, I mean it's a hallmark nowadays. Didn't used to be. Yeah. Right, Ron. Were you thinking of getting Titanfall two as well? I was, although now that we've talked about it, I'm I'm lukewarm because yeah. So especially we'll see. the Let's... comment you made on uh, the fact that it sounds a lot harder to take down a Titan if you're on foot. Yeah. Uh, that's actually really worrying to me because I felt that the balance between pilots and Titans was actually, like, really, really well done in Agreed. the first game, which is actually one of the most amazing parts of it, is because you have, a, you're less mobile than the Titan, potentially, but, like, you're carrying a lot more firepower, and if your team is moving with you, then, you know, your this pilots can't really get to you. But uh, it also opened up something really interesting, which is um, a game mode called Last Titan Standing, which is uh, it's similar to a Titans. lot of games like Counter-Strike, where, you know, once you're down, you're out of the game. Right. But the difference in this one is that, like, uh, it's not about whether your player is, like, dead. It's about whether your team has any Titans left standing. So you can, you know, lose your Titan but still be running around on foot and still be helping your team. Which I always thought was a really, really, like, good gameplay mechanic. Yeah, personally, I love the balance in Titanfall 1. I feel like, and again, I I can't make this determination until at least the beta, if, if not the retail release that they felt like maybe the Titans were too vulnerable and they f- they wanted to make them... Maybe they wanted to purposely shift the balance in the favor of Titans because... It is called Titanfall. Well, right. <laughs> but but to say, like, a squishy human shouldn't be able to, you know, effectively balance out a Titan. You know, the Titans should be better. And actually, like you said, I like the balance in one much more. Um I am a little concerned about this one because you can't, you know, if you rodeo it, you can do some damage, but guess what? You've just alerted another Titan that there's a pilot there. The benefit that you do get, which you didn't have in one, is the grappling hook makes for a lot of mobility. Keep it mind, is, it's like a perk, though. Not every character has not it. Not every character has it, but I get the feeling a lot of people will be playing the character yeah. with it because you have your regular sprint, you have your regular jetpack boosts. And then with the uh, grappling hook, you just fly everywhere, um, and you're you're really hard to catch, and you can get uh, all over the map in a really short period of time with that. I, I actually, when I played in the in you know the demo, uh, the very first thing I did was sprint to the edge, 
um, grapple my way across the map. I got behind the other team and I killed three pilots within the first 30 seconds of the game. And I ended up getting last place. I ended up getting last place because <laughs> apparently killing the enemy team wasn't the objective in that <laughs> game type. But it was very effective. <laughs> All right, yeah, and so I guess we should probably wrap this up soon. But Ron, are, are you thinking about getting Battlefield? I know you didn't really play the other ones, right? So I actually played some Bad Company 2, which was okay. always a lot of fun to me. Just... I very much enjoyed being able to just, you know, because that was the first game to really have, like, the destructible environments in multiplayer. And I, right. I always love the fact that it's like, oh, hey, someone's hiding behind that wall. Boom, there goes the wall. Got him. Yep. Um, I feel like Battlefield 4 kind of toned down that destruction a lot. Um, I think that goes more to the map design, um, where a lot of the maps felt kind of more constrained or uh, felt constrained in a way that even if I take out a wall, I'm still coming at them in a very specific direction. So it's not, like, doesn't really help all that much. Sure. That said, I'm still interested in getting the game and trying it out, uh, especially because, you know, I've got a couple friends that are going to be getting it. On Xbox? Uh, most likely, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you're also in the, in the position of not having a gaming PC available to you. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> just just to uh, lobby for my position of getting on Xbox, we could reunite the team of me and you just destroying everybody in vehicle warfare. Oh. Oh, dear. We could be, we could be like the Red Baron. In, in the skies. <laughs> Although, if you rejoin us in Halo 5, I have all the wrecks. So many wrecks. You've played all a lot of Halo 5. All the Warthogs you could possibly want. What's yeah. that? You guys have played a lot of Halo 5. We've played a lot of Halo 5. What else is there to play? It's true. Yeah. Starcraft? <laughs> yeah. Not Starcraft. Overwatch? Right, well, yeah, so I guess the key takeaways, uh, Battlefield fun, Gears, meh, Titanfall, question mark. Maybe. Record. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it sounds like it has potential once they fix a lot of, like, issues with it. Which makes sense if it's that studio's first Xbox game. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, I feel like it will get a lot of support. Uh, I'm not sure how it will review. I think people will support it because it's, A, cheaper and be kind of something different for them. Um, yeah, although that's a crowded season to jump into. Yeah. The fact also that it's only single player actually means that it might be a lot better than a demo can give it credit. Because sure. of the fact, like, storylines and worlds can kind of get immersive yeah. and pull you in. Exactly. Like I said, Joe Staten's working on it, so... Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows how the writing quality is. Right. Pretty good That's true. Cool. Uh, All right. So I guess we'll jump into tech. Uh, so this one is a bit of a hybrid topic. I know we've, we've had a, our gaming session run a little long, but um, I, wanted to my bad. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Nintendo NX rumor. So, you know, the NX is Nintendo's upcoming console due in March of 2017. Um I, I don't think we'll be getting an official announcement until September. Tokyo Game Show? Yeah. So we've been we've been getting some rumors, though. And the latest rumor out today is talking about how it's going to use a mobile part. Um, and so it, it sounds like it'll be using the NVIDIA Tegra 1, which is uh, the same uh, SOC system on a chip. It's like a processor and a few other features or functions. Um, same one as the Google Pixel C tablet. And uh, the NVIDIA Shield Android TV. Um, And it's a little strange to me that Nintendo would go with a mobile part. And the rumor states that they're sort of basing it off the the Wii U gamepad design, but in reverse. Oh, God. So that it's it's like this, this, you know, main console that can be used as a portable. And then there are like two portable devices or controllers that split off from that but you can plug it into the tv if you want i I wasn't super clear on it but it just seems like a stupid design and i know we've ragged on nintendo a lot yeah but i mean um, for good reason for good reason this is like i don't i don't understand who makes the decisions there because 
you look at their the recent history and you say, <laughs> all right, well, we've we've been trying to sell these things that are super gimmicky and underpowered and don't really have any game support. So I've got an idea. I've got an idea, guys. What if we release an <laughs> underpowered part using mobile components with nothing but gimmicks? How does that sound? Sounds Brilliant. like a moneymaker, right? <laughs> Brilliant. It. it hasn't been working for the last 10 years. Let's try it again. Well, you maybe just... it has been working for them in Japan, though, because, I mean, to- Nintendo historically, like, doesn't really notice what hap- what is happening outside of That's Japan. Exactly or they notice, true. but don't care. But is that the measure of success for them, right? I don't uh, know. Apparently, yes, because otherwise there's no possible explanation for the strategy that they're taking. It just doesn't make any sense. And and at least before, it wasn't comparable specs. On the Wii, on the Wii U, it straight up wasn't. But now they're not even using a custom, you know, console part where they could at least say, well, we think we can get decent output. No. They're using the same system on a chip that Google's Pixel C tablet has <laughs> and has been out for months. And by the way, the Pixel C was not well received. So the fact that Nintendo will be releasing with what by that time will be an old mobile part is like there are tablets that are more powerful gaming devices than my Nintendo console. That's crazy. And then compare that to the Xporpio and PlayStation Neo coming yeah, out. Yeah, Microsoft and, and Sony are going the opposite direction. That's They're going, our, our basic main consoles are still not powerful enough. Let's crank it up. <laughs> and Nintendo goes, what if we just make it worse? It's funny because when you, when you describe you imagine making those decisions there it reminded me you know in south park they had mickey mouse and he was like some like jackass like everybody yeah imagine like mario just sitting there like <laughs> shirt all disheveled like hair all messed up just like smoking a cigarette he's eating mushrooms <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it's like. eyes wide pupils dilated yeah. what if we use a mobile part <laughs> everyone's like oh it's a great idea mario let's do that uh seriously it just it makes no sense to me whatsoever um I, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't plan on buying one. I know that I bought a Wii U because I wanted to play Super Smash, but who wants to play Super Smash on what is effectively a mobile device? So um, something else that's important about Nintendo is, um, so in general, you know, obviously, like, yes, Nintendo has a key difference between, like, a couple other, I mean, the other big ones, which is they have a lot of IP that they own that is first party and games they develop that are first party. Yeah, right. And that's all it's actually happened. very lucky if that's the case because, and the reason they don't have too much else is not just because of their hardware, but also because apparently their uh, agreements for third-party developers to work with them and the way they treat third-party developers is, or has been historically pretty bad. Which isn't, yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. Like, in addition to the way that they treat their customers, which is awful, I expect they treat their partners worse, not to mention the fact they've got these underpowered consoles that require an entire other set of engineering, at least, you know, the PS4 and the Xbox One, they're running on x86. It's not that hard to port from PC or vice versa versus Nintendo system, which is totally foreign. So they'd have to have a dedicated development team to dealing with a company that's effectively hostile to them and treats them like a second-class citizen. It's not surprising to me. That's assuming they're a big studio. You know how um, the Wii U has, like, the Wii U marketplace, where, like, in theory, it could be, like, an app store? Right. Where people could develop... You notice how there's not too many apps there? Well, uh, I don't reason... look at it much, but I'll well, take your word exactly. for it. Exactly. And the, part of the reason for that is because uh, until fairly recently, the agreements that you had to sign if you were, like, making an app for that is that you would not see very much profit at all until, uh, like, 
a cert, you'd had a certain number of sales of your oh, app Oh, there's there. like a threshold? Like yeah. a minimum threshold? It's like your app has to make like X amount of money before you see a single dime. And given <laughs> like, you know, the, the size of the, like the amount of people that are actually going to be on Wii U and then additionally go into like the Wii U app store. And, and like, then buy your things, app? Yeah, like that's just, it's not worth it. So as a result, like there's additionally no reason to go there because there's no one's going there. Yeah, it's, Nintendo is just one, it's not even short-sighted. Short-sighted implies that they're having a a vision, you know, that they Mm -hmm. want to sell in the short term. There's just, like, no vision. It's just blindness. It's not short-sightedness. It's not farsightedness. It's, there's no vision. Uh, I don't know what the Blindness? Is blindness the term you're looking for? Blindness. Blindness. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, I will say this for them, though. Apparently, recently, they at least caught on to how stupid those developer agreements were, and they've been... Trying to make those less shitty, as I think they've, at least in some cases, starting to realize, huh, this isn't working the way we wanted. Why you know, is it, oh. Un- unless they really apply that philosophy to their entire stru- corporate structure, I don't think it's, I think it's way too little too late. Isn't that kind of what happened with Niantic, though? Like, isn't that why Nintendo stock just, like, shat the bed? Because they're actually getting way more profit than people thought they were supposed to get. Well, so it's, it's funny because what happens is in this case, and uh, we talked about it before, how, you know, Pokemon is an IP and they could really make good use of their first, um, you know, their first party IP, licensing it out or, you know, selling it as a software provider. Um, Pokemon, uh, the Pokemon company only has a, or sorry, I guess I should reverse that. Nintendo only has a 32% share or ownership of the Pokemon company. So the vast majority of the Pokemon company is not no- owned by Nintendo. Uh, and so that was, as far as I know, a- an independent decision to license out to Niantic. And I assume that Nintendo has some profit sharing, but they're not raking in the, you know, the lion's share of the profits from Pokemon Go. And it's really funny because this was public knowledge. Um, and so when Nintendo released their earnings recently and they mentioned like, hey, you know, we only own 32% of the Pokemon company and our earnings are not exceedingly high as some of you decided to assume. Everyone freaked out and the stock plummeted because the stock had been rising on the assumption that all these people are going, Pokemon, that's Nintendo. It means that they're going to be making a ton of money. But if any of them had bothered to do any research whatsoever, they would have known, not really, like that's not going to affect their bottom line in any significant way. Um, it's just, uh, it shows the volatility of the market that is not necessarily tied to actual fact. Um, the stock market has been said many times is, uh, more closely tied to emotion than actual, actual events. The other phrase I like is, uh, the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. (laughs) That is very true. That's a good saying. Anyways, so let's move on from Nintendo and sort of get out of the gaming section. Our, um, our weekly shit talking of Nintendo. Yeah, <laughs> it's honestly it's hard to get away from it. They they really deserve it every well, week. Well, I'll say one more thing about them though, and this is kind of a positive thing. Uh, they at least have enough like money and value stored up that they could not release a single game for I think it was something like fifteen years and just continue to exist as they are with no problems. That's just do amiibo though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> So, so there you have it. Nintendo will exist for 15 more years because at that point they will run out of money after not selling anything for the next 15 they're years. They're going to live off their retro Nintendo that they're selling. Yeah, that's, that's their new product. Their new product is to release a 25-year-old product. Which uh, is probably going to be hugely successful. Yeah, that's, honestly, that's where they're going to be making their money this year. Nostalgia is a very good market. And for Nintendo, it's their only market. <laughs> 
So anyways, um, speaking of companies that have been around for a long time and don't make that much money anymore. Segway. Not Segway. Uh, Motorola. So, oh. you know, as some of you may know, Motorola was initially its own company. And then the mobile division was bought up by Google. Uh, Google came out with the Moto X. And then after a while, Google decided they were bored of Motorola and they sold them to Lenovo. So typically the turnaround time for for uh, from start to end for development of a phone is like 18 to 22 months, I believe. Um, and so the expectation was we won't be seeing Lenovo-influenced phones out of Motorola for the first 18 to 22 months. So um, now that it's been that long, we're finally seeing the first Motorola phones that are, you know, Lenovo-ized. Uh, Lenovo-nated? Lenovo-nated. So there's the Moto Z and the Z Force, uh, and they're sort of building off of what they had previously with a few adjustments. And so most notably, Lenovo decided, mm, security updates, that takes work and effort, and it sounds kind of like a pain, so we're just not going to keep our phones up to date. At least not on the monthly cycle. We'd rather bundle them every so often. So... Uh, and, and in fact, the new Motorola phones are shipping out with, I believe, the April or May security update is the most recent one. And there were some critical vulnerabilities in Android that were discovered in June and July and addressed in those updates. So if you buy a brand new Motorola Z Force or whatever the hell it's called, you're buying a phone that is already a security risk, like brand new in box. That's that's crazy. Um, it's an idiotic strategy, especially because Motorola, having been paired to Google, they were setting the example and saying, hey, within a couple of weeks, I think their, their maximum turnaround time was three weeks for an update to go out to their phones from the moment Google releases it until it hits Motorola devices. And Lenovo is going, mm, not worth the cost, not worth the effort. I guess customers don't care about it, which is, I mean, true for that the most part. The average true. consumer doesn't know or care about their security updates, but... You know, as as someone technically minded, it's a horrible strategy and it's really dishonest to their customers to tell them it's a top of the line phone. And these are selling for seven hundred dollars. You know, this is selling as if it's a top of top of the line phone um, and it's it's already out of date and won't be kept up to date with any sort of regularity. Um, How is the hardware, though, I guess, is the question. So the hardware is okay. You know, it's standard specs. I think it's like a Snapdragon 820 processor and like four gigs of RAM. And they've got their, um, one of one of their screens is their weirdo like plastic screen so that you can drop it all you want, although it scratches really easily. Um, and they've got a new modular system. So it works differently from LG. So LG has that um, system that you can remove the bottom and replace it with other modules like a backup battery or a separate camera or... Um, or speaker system, or all, all kinds of stuff, whatever. Uh, and Motorola has one that's theoretically more elegant, where it sort of snaps on the back, and they call it a backpack system. Um, the problem is, from, from everything that I've seen, the options that you can get, like a battery... By the way, the phones themselves are being marketed as extremely, extremely thin, which they are, which is really, really dumb, because a lot of the... You know, like, one of the backpacks is extra battery... It snaps on, it makes the phone more bulky, and then you've got more battery. But if you just integrated the larger battery, the phone wouldn't be as thick as it is with the backpack. So it's like, you don't need it that thin. Like, I'm willing to give it another couple of millimeters to get an extra few hours of battery life. It's absolutely worth it to the vast majority of people. 
Um, another one, they have a mobile projector, which is like $300 edition. Again, from the reviews I've seen, it kind of sucks. <laughs> also, that's got a blow-through battery. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing, is that it just... Who wants that? Who cares? Who needs a mobile just you know uh, a projector that's kind of garbage attached to their phone people with apple watches <laughs> <laughs> no no they all have iphones man come on oh sorry yeah so they're waiting for iphone or apple to develop a backpack for their devices gotcha. <laughs> i'm sure there's probably one on the way um their speakers which again then they're back facing speakers right because it's a backpack if you want louder speakers you don't want them facing away from the screen you want them facing towards you so not really the best design. Um, so all these things are expensive additions that make the phone thicker and don't function as well as a standalone. Like you're better off with a separate Bluetooth speaker. You're better off with a separate micro projector. Um, I guess the backpack battery is okay, but it's expensive. And I would rather just have the battery in the phone to begin with. But is there a physical keyboard add-on? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be way too useful. Come on. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Motorola seems, since going to Lenovo, is just becoming a huge disappointment. Which is unfortunate. It's not to say Lenovo doesn't do anything well, but... Uh, I don't like them owning a phone company, because they seem to mess it up. I mean, it um, could be they're really used to, like, the laptop market, where, you know, adding peripherals isn't, like, the worst thing in the world. It's true. I, it's possible that Lenovo just lacks the vision for a mobile division, but you'd think that Motorola coming from Google would at least be like, Hey, guys... We know what we're doing. Our phones are relatively well regarded, even though I personally thought the Moto X was overpriced. Uh, basically, uh, an Android iPhone in that respect. Um, the reviewers loved it, which only cements my position that it's an Android iPhone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were fairly well regarded. And I think the tech community as a whole is really disappointed with Motorola's new crop of phones. So... Um, I used to recommend Motorola devices to people as an alternative if they didn't want a Nexus device, uh, and now that's that's not the case. I would say, you know, in order of preference, Nexus device, HTC 10, and then probably uh, the Samsung devices. Um, LG stuff is okay, I guess, if you really care about that over Samsung. Otherwise, meh. But after Nexus followed by HTC, I don't really care that much. Um yeah, I, don't, I honestly don't really have anything else to say on that topic. It's just <laughs> that's my all I have to say about that. Yeah, my my weekly rant about tech that's pissing me off this week. <laughs> I mean, there's always something. Yeah, I mean, could could go into my my favorite, which is you know the Nintendo of the tech world, mm. Apple. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine them doing anything wrong, Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> we can save that for another time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, with that, I guess I'll wrap up the tech section and move on to the firearms section. So we are without our resident firearms expert, Kilroy. Uh, and so it's up to me this week. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Everyone got excited. So uh, I figured I'd talk about um, Red Dots because I just bought one. Um, and they're pretty cool. So I know you guys don't have a ton of firearms knowledge, but you did play Call of Duty. Right? So... Shouldn't that make us less qualified? <laughs> in some sense, yes. But I'm going to try and relate the knowledge that I have to the knowledge that you have and okay. sort of bridge the gap here. Please. So, um, I bought what uh, is called the Loophole uh, Delta Point Pro. Um, it's a reflex sight, you know, red dot, however you choose to interpret it, uh, which means that it has no magnification. 
Um, it's really cool because you sight the dot on this screen. It looks like a little window on the top of your gun. Um, and even if you're not lined up with the dot, like if you're off, you know, your head is to the left a little bit or to the right a little bit, the dot is going to stay in the same place so that you're still aiming at the correct thing. You don't have to get a perfect cheek weld to be aiming down the sights anymore. You can be shooting a little bit offset and still have perfect aiming. Shooting sideways. Sorry. Shooting sideways. <laughs> so you're uh, saying that the dot stays in the same place as it seems to be projected onto the landscape. Correct. So it's still going to be covering the same space in in your uh, field of view, I, I guess. Your same The same target will be covered despite mm-hmm. the fact that you have moved your face. <laughs> which is which is pretty cool. So, if you guys remember uh, in Call of Duty, you could get the holographic sight. It increased my accuracy. It okay. Uh, <laughs> well, that was an EOTech sight on there, and a holographic sight is basically the same thing as a red dot. Uh, the way it projects is a little bit different. It like it's really like that's why they call it a hollow sight. It's it's a hologram that's sort of projected onto the light. An image is taken of the red dot and projected it up into the glass. Exactly. Um, Michael is demonstrating with his fist through his other hand. Um, <laughs> it's a very clear demonstration. Yeah, and a red dot so is, sure it, think of it kind of like a laser pointer projected onto this glass that has a cool coating and is curved in a certain way. I'm really not an expert on optics, but something about parallax and reflecting light. But that's why we brought Ron on for today, right? Because he's our optics expert. Yeah, Ron, are you an optics expert? Uh, not that I can talk about publicly. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, what's cool about those sites is, like I said, you can you can sort of move your head and, and be spot on still. The downside is, well, downside, depending on the situation, um, there's no zoom. So that's really cool for close engagements, but if you want to shoot at something further away, uh, not quite as useful. Hybrid scope. So hybrid scope, uh, there are two types. I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to. There's like a, a short dot type. The Call of Duty one. Which is, <laughs> well, so there's one that, that's adjustable from basically no zoom up to four, eight, even more zoom. You can just zoom in. Uh, so that's one type of like hybrid scope. And there's also what I was going to say in Call of Duty. You've got um, the Trijicon ACOG, if you remember the ACOG site from Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. And there's the RMR, and that was the one that they often had offset um, at a cant. So you could like t- tilt your gun uh, diagonal and look through the little little red dot. Uh, so the RMR is a direct competitor to the one I got, and I actually considered the RMR, but it's an older design, uh, which is the reason I didn't get it. And the newer reviews of the Delta Point Pro was better. And you have to tilt but your head to use it. I don't have to tilt my head because I mounted it on my standard top rail, but I could. So what I would consider doing is getting a magnified site, you know, some sort of actual scope, putting it on top, and then putting the canted um, delta point on there, which is sweet as my cool. reflex site. It would be, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I sort of forgot where I was going with that. But, uh, yeah, so to, to sum things up, there's basically the, the, I think it's pretty much three types of sites you've got. No magnification sites, which are like red dots and, and hollow sites. Um, you've got adjustable magnification, which are like short dots. You you can adjust the magnification, you know, from one to something zoomed. Is that pretty quick to do, or it's like resite things like Dep- that? Depends on the one that you've got, but typically it's literally the ring on the outside that you just twist, okay. and it increases magnification. It's pretty cool. I've I've gotten some time with um, 
I forget what the model is, but Trujicon has a short dot that I got to try out, which was nice. Nice. Uh, and then there's standard scopes, which a lot of the time will have adjustable um, zoom, although some cases they won't, and those are typically meant for much longer distances, uh, and they're usually bulkier as well. I guess, what's the key differentiator between different brands or models for, if it was in those similar categories? So there's actually a steep price curve, especially for scopes. Scopes have the biggest price curve of all, where you could be dealing, uh, I forget what the rule of thumb is, but it's something like spend twice as much on your optics or three times as much on your optics as you do on the rifle. Um, Damn. And so I mean, the difference that would fit is... with the, uh, the standard trope of the ARs, like... Your AR is like, you know, 500 to 1,000, and all of your add-ons need to add up to like 8,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but optics especially. Oh, yes. Um, and so it depends. So for like red dot stuff, what you get is um, typically a better field of view. So like the cheaper red dots will typically be a tube sight, um, really small windows, fields, really small field of view. Um, the glass won't be as durable. Uh, you might not have the same accounting for, um, moving your head, at least to the, the same degree. It might be harder to, uh, adjust, um, the sighting on it. Uh, the battery life might not be as good. It might not be waterproof. So what you get as you go up the price scale is a lot of ruggedness, um, a lot more precision typically, mm. um, and a lot more ease of use. Uh, a lot of the time it is also brand name, but typically that's tied to, uh, you know, again, durability and, and precision. Um, I guess so uh, companies in that business take their uh, brand quality pretty seriously then, huh? Definitely. So like Loophole is a perfect example of they are basically just an optics company. That's their main focus. Uh, and their <laughs> scopes can reach the thousands upon thousands <laughs> of dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, they get crazy expensive and... I'd have to understand optics better to really get into the details of why um, the more expensive scopes are so much better. But again, it has to do a lot with the glass um, and the uh, mechanics involved in, in constructing those and making sure that they maintain zero uh, and adjust for all sorts of things like parallax and, and other optical Actually, I can, I can see how maintaining zero over like a lot of like various stimuli and environments and terrain, like just movement is actually, a, that'd be something you'd pay a lot of money for. Yeah, so actually, from regular scopes, like, I have a relatively cheap scope for my twenty two rifle, and the reason for that is it has a very low recoil on account of being a twenty two rifle. You have to spend more money on a scope for a larger caliber, because otherwise it just won't keep zero. It'll move too much, even, you know, bolted on there with uh, the scope rings. It just will have too much movement to to stay really accurate. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of my little spiel on... on uh, Optics. I was just super excited for my red dot. Um, I'm looking forward to taking it to the range. Killeroy would make fun of me for shooting terribly, but at least my AK now has a sweet red dot on it instead of the typical AK pistol style sights. Uh, so um, I'm looking forward to being even more accurate with that. Now you have less with excuses for being bad. You're still I have less excuses. Shapes. Yeah, if, if I'm still bad, you're still then, it's, it's uh, just shapes. You're still gonna shoot shapes. I'm gonna well, but then it'll it'll be on purpose. I hope. <laughs> Yeah. We'll, we'll say that, won't we? Well, that, that'll be uh, my statement after the fact, yes. <laughs> so uh, the last topic for today is a, a little bit of a sad one. You know, there's been a lot of attacks all over the world recently. It seems almost like every single day 
There's something new. I saw a tiger attack a lady in China. It's true. Not the type of attack I was referring to, but still sad, nevertheless. It's tragic, yeah. Um, tigers don't kill people. People with tigers kill people. I'm not really sure how the saying goes. Uh, I don't think that's how it goes. I mean, technically, Anyways. most people who own tigers are either zoo owners or drug dealers. And, you know, one of those two is responsible for a lot of deaths. That's fair. <laughs> but I don't think they typically use tigers for those. I mean, I don't, but at the same time, I don't know if we have really good statistics on that population. All right, let's call up the FBI and see if they collect <laughs> statistics on tiger murders. Down there. Murders by tiger. Mm-hmm. Connect to the FBI. Yeah. Is it so, per capita, per, per population? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, um, you know, there have been a lot of attacks recently. There was uh, the, the attack in, in France, in Nice, where the guy drove a truck through people celebrating on Bastille Day. Um, today, there was a stabbing in Japan where a guy killed 19 people and injured... Dozens Did he really more. kill 19? I it was, it was a disabled facility. Right? It, was, it was a facility for the disabled. He he went in at like 3 in the morning while they were sleeping and started slitting throats before anyone even Ooh. knew what was going on. What? And apparently he had he had worked there before, so he knew that they would be short-staffed. Um, and he apparently wrote a manifesto about oh, good. killing disabled people and tried to turn it into the parliament uh, around the time he was fired. So I guess they had some advanced warning, but chose to ignore it. Um... But it goes to show that, you know, it's not to say that everyone can wield a knife as effectively as a gun. Although some people are completely inept with guns. My shooting shapes on paper is a perfect example. Um, but, you know, There's you can do a lot of, you can do a lot of damage with, with any tool. You know, as long as, as long as your goal is to hurt people, you can do it with a gun, which I agree is an effective tool. I mean, that's what they were designed for. There's no denying that. But, you know, knives are deadly. A truck is extremely deadly in a crowd. Tigers. Um, tigers. Uh, the a little, Boston a bombing. Use you know, they, they used a pressure cooker and ball bearings. Um, so to anyone who's talking about, you know, guns are the only problem. There is a problem, which is gun violence. But stopping gun violence will not stop violence or killing. And a lot of people that use it to kill other people, you know, as, as a means of terror, use it just because of convenience, but that doesn't mean that it'll stop them from using another tool that is just as, if not more effective. So you, you said to me uh, before the podcast that the shooting that happened in Germany was with a gun that didn't have a serial number on it? That's the other one, yeah. So I guess a guy went into a mall in, I think it was Munich, and started shooting people. Uh, he was using a Glock 17. Uh, apparently he'd been planning the shooting for a year and bought the gun illegally. Um, serial had been scratched off. He bought it off the black market. And the response was, we need stricter gun control. But my question is, in that case, how would that have affected anything? You know, it was an illegally purchased weapon. We need to impose rules on the black market, Ryan. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why additional regulation would, would affect anything. That's like saying, people are taking cocaine. We need to impose stricter regulation on cocaine. Like, okay, but it's already illegal. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is that you're going to impose that will affect this situation in any other way. And I guess there's the idea that if you make like, make fine, make like the punishment worse for it, then you get those people who were like, all who were like, you know, back and forth on it were like ready to go a certain amount of illegal, but not like the full. If you're going to shoot up a, a mall, I can't imagine you're worried about, oh, 
an illegal weapons charge. Uh, I don't know if I want to get hit with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm down to murder like 10 plus people, but oh, do I really want I that know. illegal <laughs> weapons charge? And that extra charge is really going to make the difference, right? Yeah, that's, that's what I feel like. I mean, and I know they say that stricter sentences um, are supposed to be a deterrent. And actually, uh, it's interesting because in the U.S. we have a bipartisan movement towards um, loosening... Uh, like the three strikes law, for example, because the conclusion that, you know, people have found is that it's the punishment is not really taken into consideration in the committing of a crime. You know, if you're going to get 10 years or 25 years for your crime, people aren't going to be any less likely to commit it. Uh, And so harsher punish or uh, yeah, harsher sentencing does not necessarily affect um, the likelihood of a crime occurring. And again, in the case of a multiple murder, What other punishment is there? Like, you can have the death penalty, but I don't get the sense that these people care about dying since most of them end up killing themselves or getting themselves killed anyways. And about the three strikes laws, maybe we shouldn't be basing our criminal justice system off of baseball, a recreational game, you know? (laughs) I know it was the national sport, but like, maybe... It is America's pastime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, our America's pastime should apply to all things. It's, uh... Well, it, would it make you feel better if it was four strikes or two strikes just so that it wouldn't line up with baseball? It would just be an arbitrary number. You should go back to like the olden days, right? Where like one strike is like you lose a hand. <laughs> That's some serious old right. days. You That's might want to consider those consequences before you act next. You know, there are countries that have those rules. Uh, most of them are in the Middle East, in fact. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're, they're the usually, people most affected by, you know... <laughs> they're usually called third world countries, uh, Michael. And uh, also, I get the feeling that's not something that you can really do with due process. <laughs> well, also, did you guys? Oh I'm no, sorry. Sure, yeah, go you ahead. Know, habeas corpus. You know, like not you know like, inflicting bodily harm upon people in nah. custody. A jury of twelve could decide to chop your hand off, off of his hand. <laughs> off of his hand. <laughs> Maybe just a finger. <laughs> Which one? Middle finger. Okay. <laughs> Start with that. You can never flip people off again. Yeah. Suck at road rage. Yeah, but my point is, like, with all these attacks, there's this call for curbing violence, and I, I. It just doesn't make sense to me that the response is, we need to limit guns. Like, we need to limit violence. We need to limit the people who are perpetrating these attacks. We need to have better detection. I don't see how limiting guns is an effective factor other than preventing crimes committed by guns, which would then often turn into crimes committed with things other than guns. Um, Yeah. Like knives. Like knives, like cars, like pressure cookers like you know there's a lot of ways to kill people unfortunately uh guns are just one way to go about it um and even then guns are able to be purchased illegally and used in the same manner as a as a legally owned one um or in a lot of cases more effectively since you're more likely to find automatic weapons on the black market than you are in any legal market because they're Illegal in most places. You mean assault weapons? Assault weapons. No, I mean automatic weapons. That's not the same. I mean, it's not about... I mean, there's no one... None of us really disagree with each other enough on this, but uh, it's not so much about, like, the rational response. It's about the emotional response. A lot of people are like, we we need to do something. We don't feel safe otherwise. I have this feeling of, you know, not being safe, and unless we take some action, I don't feel safe. Right. And guns are an easy scapegoat. Yeah, which is really unfortunate. Actually, there was a case this week... uh, some guys were playing uh, Pokemon Go at a park, and uh, they someone tried to rob them, yeah. and one of the Pokemon Go 
players had a concealed carry license and shot back. And uh, I guess each, you know, one person on both sides was injured. But uh, as far as I know, none of the injuries were life-threatening and uh, the perpetrators were caught, you know, because they ended up in the hospital. Um, You know, what would have happened if you didn't have a concealed carry permit? It's possible that it would have been a a peaceful mugging or it's possible that we would have had four dead Pokemon Go players. Uh, I know that if I was in that situation, I'd rather be the guy with the gun for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird how statistics can always get massaged for either side. I've seen the same numbers used by both the pro-gun and the anti-gun sides massaged in different ways or presented in different ways to make opposing points. You know, you talk about, um, number of gun deaths. Well, that includes gun suicides. Uh, you include, you talk about violent crime or you talk about violent crime committed with guns. Um, you know, you talk about uh, crimes stopped with a gun or you talk about crimes in which a gun was involved, like in actual use. Like a lot of crimes, you know, if you draw a gun, um, suddenly the situation, you don't need to shoot anyone. You've, you've got a gun pointed at them. The situation has changed. Uh, it's, it's crazy how all these numbers can be manipulated or, or displayed in a certain way to, to support your point of view. And that's not specific to guns. That's all sort of sorts of stuff, but firearms are where I, I pay the most attention. I mean, uh, it's statistic. I mean, even the statistics and facts, like people say, yeah, facts are facts, but I mean, facts are what you use to support a story. Right. Exactly. It's, it's the amalgamation of facts to support a point that, that are really what what's you know driving your argument just presenting a bunch of random facts is like okay cool now i've got a whole bunch of data what do i do with this it's like michael was saying earlier key takeaways key takeaways key takeaways of this red dots are cool optics are cool i need to know more about them but i'm looking forward to shooting my ak tigers are bad tigers are bad um (laughs) knives are bad uh, terrorists are bad. People are bad. Lots of things are bad. Oreos, good. Some have, Oreos, have we covered Nintendo? Really good. Nintendo, not so good. Well, not so bad either. Just their vision, not so good. Battlefield, good. Battlefield, mm-hmm. maybe good. Probably. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. We'll see. All right. Titan One Vault. thing that we can all agree on: ice cream. Ice cream, good. Pistachio. No, get no, out of here. Uh... Ron, ice cream, good. Vanilla. Vanilla. <laughs> no, cocoa. <Yeah>. Cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, With that, I think we'll wrap it up. Uh, Thanks for listening to episode five of Not a Podcast, the Not Operator Podcast. We'll see you next time. Buenos noches. (laughs) See you later.